millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Here's a cool fact. A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact? You can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com. Hi everyone, it's me Kine and welcome back to Think Queen. Wash those hands of yours because on today's episode, we're discussing germs and disease. Somewhere out there is an alternate universe where I became a doctor like my parents wanted me to. But in this universe, I became a drag queen. I have so much respect for anyone who studies medicine or biology because I know it helps so many lives and it's really not an easy thing to do. That's why I'm a drag queen. I find it so interesting that there's still so much we don't know about the human body. Given how much we know about the universe and other galaxies and rocket ships, there's also a whole universe worth of complexity within our own bodies, and there's still lots of mystery. Or at least there's a lot of superstition. I mean, the list of things my mom believes strengthens my immune system is like never ending. So we're going to get to the bottom of things today. Should parents really let their kids eat dirt? Does vitamin C make your immune system invincible? And what's the deal with Vicks Vaporub? To help answer those questions and more, we've got Darian Nguyen here with us, a graduate from the University of Texas at Austin with a Bachelor of Science in Biochemistry and a science communicator behind Lab Shenanigans. Hi, Darian. Hello, hello. How are you, my dear? I'm good. Thanks so much for being here. Of course. As always, you're looking fierce, boots, the house down. Thank you. I want to ask about you. I want to start by asking you about lab shenanigans. Yeah. How did that all start? And what was your journey through biochemistry like? Ooh, girl. Okay, so I studied biochemistry, as you mentioned, in college. I graduated in 2017. And throughout college, I knew that I wanted to pursue research. And so after I graduated, I felt like I didn't have a strong enough research background. So I started working as a research technician. And academia can be very rigorous. Mm. And so I found myself very stressed out in lab. Like, about a year in, I just was so mentally stressed and burnt out. And one of my coping mechanisms is to just like make fun of myself mm -hmm. and make others laugh. And this wasn't like my turning point of making videos online. I've always made videos, but this was, I guess, the beginning of making self-deprecating, relatable science lab videos. And surprisingly, that brought a lot of eyes to my channel and people like that stuff. And that's honestly just how Lab Shenanigans started. And funny enough, I couldn't think of a good username. Mm -hmm. So I was thinking, okay, Lab Shenanigans is just going to be a filler name. But once I come up with a better name, I'm going to change it. <laughs> and uh, like perfect. three years... <laughs> 
It's perfect. <laughs> it describes exactly what it is. I mean, I, I've seen all the videos. It's all about the shenanigans. What actually do you do when you do the lab part? <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah. So <laughs> even despite having a biochemistry background, I was actually in a genetics neuroscience lab. And so my, my research focused on studying a very rare neurodevelopmental disorder. Mm. And we were just trying to study exactly how that disease manifests and exactly how we can treat the symptoms and understand its mechanism. And so we did that by studying it in a mouse model. So I spent about three years pretty much just characterizing the mice in, in this model. And there are like a lot of different experiments that we do. One of the experiments is, is a Western blot. I don't know if you're familiar with that, but essentially- I am not. <laughs> a Western blot, pretty much we are trying to visualize our protein of interest. And Western blots are just a very tricky experimental technique, and it requires a lot of finesse. I like to think that like scientists are kind of like cooks. Mm -hmm. You can have the protocol, you can have the recipe book, but there, there's a lot of technique involved. Even though you can have like the most perfect protocol, you can have like the most, I guess, not stable hands and you can just mess up an entire experiment. And so if you mess up at any part of the experiment, you got to start all over. Or sometimes you have to pivot and try to savage what you can do, you know? Hmm. You're really giving us a lot of faith in our doctors, huh? <laughs> <laughs> You mess up, but you just salvage what you can, and you just try. Well, I your mean, best. that's I mean, that's that's <laughs> life, right? You can't always just sit there, boohoo! Oh my gosh, I messed up. You have to think how you can pivot and move forward and make the most of it. Because sometimes these experiments mm -hmm. are really expensive. Mm. I mean, even though you're getting like negative data, you're not getting the results you want. Sometimes that data is still salvageable, and you can include it part of your your research or your story. You know. I like to be very positive and mm. focus on the positives of, of the experiments. So this episode is all about germs. What exactly is a germ in your words? A germ. Ooh, okay. So I think germs, there's always a bad connotation to it. And mm. we generally associate germs with being bad, which I would say it's 50-50. Some are good, some are bad. And the ones that we are constantly thinking of the bad ones are bacteria and viruses that pretty much can make us sick when when we're infected however there are also good bacteria and i feel like sometimes it gets neglected or sometimes just the general public doesn't know about it with these good bacteria i think of like the gut microbiome. I'm sure we hear that all the time. Oh, yeah. The gut microbiome. We all know about that one. Oh, yeah. So that's that's <laughs> an example of good bacteria. So that's why, you know, when you watch commercials, I like yogurt commercials. They're probiotics. With Jamie Lee Curtis. Yes, exactly. She's the one. She's the reason why I started eating Activia. And now I poop regularly. Thank you, Jamie Curtis. Queen of gut microbiomes. I feel like we all know that germs are bad, but we've also all heard that you know, sometimes exposure to certain germs, like, can make you more resilient. Yeah. Which is why, you know, some people think there's such a thing as, like, washing your hands too much or, like, using too much sanitizer. Like, is that a thing? Like, how do you know when to draw the line of protecting yourself too much from germs? That's a good question. There is a hypothesis I'm sure some people are aware of called the hygiene hypothesis. And it's the idea that at an early age, you should allow your children to be exposed to certain germs or like allow them to play in the dirt. 
Mm. If we go even earlier to the moment when we're born, there was a study published, I believe in 2012, it was published on Nature, where they found out that babies who are born through the vaginal canal are exposed to more germs, more microbes than babies that are born through mm -hmm. C-section. I'm a C-section baby, by the way. What about you? Um, I think I'm a vaginal canal baby. I think. Oh, okay. I have to double okay. check. So, <laughs> so the difference between you and I, um, according to this study, babies that are born through the vaginal canal are exposed to more germs and they have microbiomes similar to those of healthy individuals. Whereas babies born through the C-section, they're missing some key microbes and are more susceptible to infection. So what I'm saying is you're better than me. You're better than me. You're which confirms you're what I already knew. <laughs> <laughs> All right, how do I um how do I leave this by the way? How do I exit this podcast? <laughs> so how exactly do germs give people diseases in the first place? Because I know there used to be a time in history where people didn't even know that diseases were caused by these like tiny microorganisms that you couldn't even see. Trivia question. Do you know who, which person, which scientist was able to find the association between pathogens or microorganisms and disease? No, I don't. It is Louis Pasteur. Never would have guessed. That was the first thing that I learned in my microbiology class. Mm -hmm. So a long, long time ago, people didn't know what germs are. They didn't know that germs made us sick or even microorganisms made us sick. They just thought that our blood was tainted. Mm. And so one of the early practices was bloodletting. I'm sure you know what that is, right? I feel like I'm in science class. I think it's when like people like you bleed out and people think that like by letting the blood out of your system, you're like getting the disease out. Is it something like that? Yeah, yeah. Oh my Thank you. Are you a microbiologist? <laughs> I think I am. <laughs> <laughs> Honestly, why don't you have a, a degree? I mean, I think you're, you're a certified microbiologist now. <laughs> But exactly, yeah. Actually, some of the early practitioners of bloodletting were were barbers. Mm. I found out that the reason why the iconic white and red sign on barbershops, the reason why they have that is because the white is supposed to like represent the cloth that they wrap around the arm, and then the red is like representing the blood. Really? So, oh my god! Yeah, yeah. Or I might be lying. What if I'm lying? <laughs> we'll have to fact check that. <laughs> yeah. No, I do my homework. I do my research or whatever. Why barbers? Is it because they had like sharp scissors or something? That's a great question that I do not know the answer to. <laughs> you might be onto something. I, well, I think back then, and I'm just probably pulling this answer out of my ass. I think there was... Uh, <laughs> I'm making uh, an educated guess. I'm hypothesizing. <laughs> I think there was the distinction between barbers or doctors back then. Even dentists were kind of blurred, mm. where a lot of the professions kind of bled into one another. But as we've obviously, you know, the advancement of technology, the roles have become more distinct and more defined. But going back to the question, how germs make us sick, pretty much when we're sick, we, we are infected. And infected doesn't necessarily lead to disease, but infection incurs when viruses or bacteria or other microbes enter our body and they begin to multiply. Disease, which typically happens in a small proportion of people who are infected, it occurs when the cells in our bodies are essentially damaged as a result of infection and the signs and symptoms of an illness appear. For example, if you have strep throat, 
Mm. Um, in your throat, there's a bacteria called Streptococcus. And essentially, it's, it's living in the cells in your throat. And so in response to the infection, our, our immune system springs into action. Several blood cells, white blood cells specifically, antibodies, and other mechanisms go to work to try to get rid of this infected cells or bacteria and viruses. And so some of the symptoms that we, we see during infection, like fever, happens because our body is trying to raise the temperature to try to inactivate viruses. Viruses become inactivated in higher temperatures. And then we also produce more mucus because we're trying to trap the bacteria, the virus in the mucus, and we're trying to expel the mucus out of our body. So yeah, that's how the summary, the blueprints, or the, the Spark Notes version, how germs can make us sick. All right, well, we have to talk about the pandemic Lovato, of course, for this episode. But first, I want to ask, because in 2015, Bill Gates gave a TED Talk where he predicted that the next great human catastrophe wasn't going to be war, but rather a disease outbreak. Five years later, COVID struck. Why did you let that happen? (laughs) I mean, I've been saying it since day one. This is the pandemic. (laughs) No, this is my question. Why... Weren't we better prepared? I think perhaps a couple of years ago, we kind of viewed a pandemic similar to how we view like a zombie apocalypse now. Like it's mm. it's never going to happen. And if it does happen, it'll be like far in the future. Mm. I think we were just unprepared and there weren't necessary or there weren't specific protocols to, for us to follow. Why though? When When we've like known about disease for so long, we know how it works. Why were we so unprepared on the science side? I think people tend to overestimate scientists and doctors. And I think that everyone thinks we we have the answers to everything, that we know all the diseases, we know the cures, we know how cancer works. We have the the medicine, it's locked in our back cabinet, but we're just gatekeeping it from the public. Hmm. No, and that's, <laughs> that's, not, that's not true. There's actually a lot of things about diseases that we don't know. And the reason why is because the, the human body is, is very complicated in that there are a lot of different mechanisms, a lot of pathways that happen. And when the smallest thing disrupts that mechanism, everything can go awry and diseases happen. And so we see the symptoms, but pinpointing what exactly is causing the problem is difficult. So since we're talking about COVID, how do vaccines work? Oh, good question. Good question. I think in order to understand how vaccines work, we first have to understand how our immune system works without a vaccine. So to explain how it works, let's let's back up and explain how our body handles foreign invaders, okay? So when a pathogen or anything foreign enters our body, our broad-acting innate immune system is our first line of defense. We have two, two lines of defense. We have the innate and the adaptive immune systems. Mm. So with the innate immune system, our white blood cells try to destroy and activate the more targeted and second and third lines of defense to help. And so after being called to action, these more specific immune cells, which is the adaptive immune system, they multiply. And then some of them stick around after the infection has cleared. And the some of the cells in the adaptive immune system are memory B cells and memory T cells. And they essentially remember that foreign invaders. So when a reinfection happens, they can quickly act on it. 
So the next time a person is exposed to that pathogen, the adaptive immune system reacts much faster, destroying bacteria or the virus before it has a chance to cause any illness. The vaccine that we're using now is the mRNA vaccine. And to understand how that works, and this is unprecedented, and I think that's what scares a lot of people. The central dogma is we have DNA mm -hmm. and it gets transcribed to RNA, and then RNA gets translated to a protein. And so with mRNA, it gets translated to a weak little protein. The protein is harmless, mm -hmm. but the body will recognize as, okay, this is, this is a foreign protein, so we are going to attack it. But now our body has memorized what that small protein looks like. So now when the actual virus comes, it can actually attack it before it spreads. We're going to get right back into it in just a moment. How would you like to look five years younger? In a clinical study, people that had volume added with Juvederm Voluma XC in the cheeks perceived themselves as looking five years younger at six months after treatment. Look younger, feel like you. Add volume for lift and contour in the cheeks with Juvederm Voluma XC. Reverse signs of aging by adding volume to smooth laugh lines with Juvederm Volur XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Welcome back to the podcast. I have a question. I promise I'm not anti-vax. I'm not anti-mask. I believe they work. Uh -huh. But since we were talking about like the hygiene hypothesis, if we like are always wearing masks and like always like using hand sanitizer and washing our hands, how does that gel with the hypothesis that it can be healthy to actually expose people to different bacteria and dirt? There, there's a threshold. And I think to some extent, Allowing children to play or allowing children to be exposed in certain bacteria is fine. But the more serious ones, like ones that cause measles and smallpox, mm. those have to be taken seriously. And I think we have to treat the coronavirus in the same vein. I don't think that natural immunity will always be the key answer to trying to get rid of, of an outbreak or get rid of a specific mm. virus. Yeah, it's it's almost like natural immunity, like can only go so far. But when you have like these like huge, like, really deadly diseases that like spread around the world, it kind of has to be all hands on deck for sure. Everybody needs to do their part and take it seriously. Oh, yeah, for sure. For sure. 
but germs can like just be everywhere, which is like kind of freaky. You know what? I actually watched a TikTok once mm-hmm. of this guy and he like took one of those Petri dishes into like the bathroom and showed how like if you use the like electronic air dryer that it's like just like blowing around all the like poo particles from the bathroom. Yes. So ever since then, I never dry my hands with the thing anymore. I just I, I use the paper towels and kill the trees. Speaking <laughs> of that. There was a paper published a couple of months ago, and they said that when you flush your toilet and you leave the top open, all the poop particles in the toilet shoot out at about, I believe, 30 miles per hour. And so, yeah, <laughs> oh my God. I know. And so after that, after reading that paper, I'm like, okay, now from now on, whenever I flush the toilet, I'm going to close the top and flush. And... It has been life-changing. I don't know how, but it has been life-changing. <laughs> I feel like you can go crazy if you like really think of like all the surfaces that you touch and all the germs that are out there. Yeah. Oh my gosh. This this reminds me of a show that I saw as a kid, but I forgot what show it was. I think it was, was it Recess? Someone was just like a complete germaphobe and they're wearing like a hazmat suit to school. And I want to say it's Recess, but I don't remember. Yeah, I think it was. Oh, do you know what episode I'm talking about? They're like wearing like a yellow hazmat suit. Yeah. I think it was T. It's like, it's Gus, right? Oh, I think so. Yes, yes, yes. <laughs> Why do you think people have such a hard time listening to medical experts when it came to COVID and the mask mandates and the instructions we were given from like scientists? It feels like everybody sort of had their own opinion on what was right. And even like talking about how like in Asian households, like everyone has their own superstition on like what to do. Okay, I'm going to backtrack backtrack all the way back <laughs> to the 1980s i think there's has been a history of not believing doctors or not trusting doctors and i mm. think one of the monumental moments was in the 1980s and i forgot his name but there's a doctor who started telling the public to actively question the decisions that doctors make because they're not always right to some extent he is correct, but I think he was really pushing the public to just question everything doctors are recommending. Mm. And that ultimately fed into the whole anti-vax movement way before the pandemic. Mm. So like this was like in, you know, like 2000s, 2010s when people were just thinking that vaccines cause autism. Mm. And it's because of that moment in the 1980s. It really fed into that movement. And I think this whole movement of like anti-vax fed into the pandemic where not only do vaccines cause autism, but there's an ulterior motive with these doctors. They're just trying to control us and um, they're just trying to implant chips. And it's just like all these dumb conspiracy theories that are taking place because people don't trust doctors. Yeah. I feel like there is like sort of a general attitude of skepticism, like in the West, there's this attitude of not wanting to trust the government, of feeling like governments can be corrupt and like I have to decide for myself what's right, Yeah, which I feel like in some instances can be a good thing. But and then in some instances, it can like lead to like conspiracy theories. Yeah. Speaking of which, I only just recently found out you, you ever see those videos on TikTok of chiropractors and they're like, like oh. breaking people's backs. Ah, yeah. Yes. <laughs> I, some, I was like talking about it like with some, and they were like, you know that that's just like not real, right? Here's the thing. And this is going to be a very hot take. I've <laughs> never been to a chiropractor, but it's some of the things that they try to teach. And I've come across some videos on TikTok 
from some chiropractors who like finish graduating and they'll even admit, yeah, there are some things that we were taught in, in chiropractic school that just are not. Tr- <laughs> I don't know if that's what it's called. <laughs> I think it's chiropractic. Chiropractic. I don't know. And th- there's like this this tool where I believe you like lay down and the the chiropractor will crack your your leg or something. But as they're cracking, there's like a wooden pan or something that pivots up and makes a slapping noise. So it makes the the crack louder than it actually is. So they use sound effects to make it louder. Yeah, it, and <gasps> it's it's apparently supposed to trick, I guess, the the patient to thinking that that noise came from the crack and it's supposed to alleviate something. And it just that blew my mind because why are they the being taught this, I don't know, like this, this scam. And I wouldn't say it's a scam. I, I think, I think to some extent, going to a chiropractor can help alleviate some temporary pain. It looks life-changing in the videos. Personally, I categorize chiropractors in the same category as like masseuse. Yeah. That's just my opinion. That's my opinion! <laughs> okay, and... <laughs> Do you think that there's a place for alternative medicine in people's lives when it comes to personal health or even public health? I think there can be a place, but I don't think it's necessary. And it it frustrates me because I think it can be a scam sometimes and people buy into it. And when we are so stubborn into believing doctors, we will try to find, we'll easily grasp any answer that seems reasonable. Mm -hmm. And some of the reasonable answers are, oh, well, like these essential oils actually are better than vaccines. Yeah. This kind of reminds me of like different fads that are happening, like detox fads. Okay. You know, those, you want to cleanse your body from those toxins. Well, take this cleanse juice. I'm going to tell y'all, those cleanses don't work. Those are big scams. Yeah. It's sometimes just marketing. Oh yeah. You know, those little, those little pads you put in the bottom of your feet and it's supposed to like suck out all the toxins because when you take the pad off it turns brown no it's just a simple chemical reaction that happens by itself and you don't need to have that even on the bottom of your foot for it to turn brown so like all these i don't know i just kind of grouped that all together chiropractic essential oils detoxing fats they're just kind of a scam yeah i I definitely feel like there's a place for them like if people are allowed to sort of make their own choices if it makes them feel better but i definitely think if it's getting in the way of like public health, if it's causing you to like not get a vaccine, then other people's personal choices affect everyone. Oh, if you for decide sure. not to vaccinate yourself. Like we're all, all of our health influences each other's in some sense. The frustrating thing is that a lot of people will claim that they have done their research, but their sources always come from Facebook, Facebook, <laughs> Facebook groups, word of mouth, text messages. And the thing is, like, a lot of good studies, papers are published in journals, reputable journals, and they can easily be accessed. Mm. But the people that are trying to do their own research are cherry picking on what they they're very biased on what they want to believe and what they're what they don't want to believe. And I think that's the frustrating thing. But it's it's definitely a conversation starter. And we always have to have an open mind when we're trying to, I guess, like educate others, because it's, it's very tempting to try to attack people for not doing their part or not doing their proper research. Mm-hmm. But I think if we come from a more empathetic perspective, 
hopefully we can do our part and educate others. That's my take. Love that. Okay, before we finish off, I, I do have a couple kind of random rapid fire questions. I mean, since we're kind of on the topic of alternative medicine, is it true that drinking orange juice or like vitamin C tablets can strengthen your immune system? Because I swear, if I like cough once, my mom like buys like gallons of orange juice <laughs> and she's like, drink this. So a while ago, what's that brand called? Emergency? Yes. It's called Emergency. You know the yes, powder? Yes, the little powder. Yeah. Oh my gosh, the Filipinos love that. <laughs> they got into a big lawsuit a couple years ago for claiming really? that it helps. Yeah, because vitamin C does help a little bit, but you would have to take a lot, like I believe an absurd amount. And so making such a large claim that it helps your immune system is technically false. Something better that might be more helpful is actually zinc. Oh, but zinc doesn't come in a cute orange flavored packet. I know. <laughs> Question number two, is Vicks Vaporub the cure-all that Asians seem to think it is? No, it is not the cure-all. <laughs> the Vietnamese equivalent is we have this green oil, and I don't know what the English translation is, but if you're sick, you put it on the upper lip, you put it on your back, and supposedly it heals everything. And no, it is not the cure-all for everything. Okay, I have some more other lightning round questions. These are just like not related to the topic they're kind of just random but... okay question number one um do you believe in life after love do in the words believe? of Cher. <laughs> love after love after love. yes next question two if you could time travel where in time would you go if i could time travel and you're not saving any lives you're not saving the world you're just going as a tourist let's say. Oh, man, so no is... killing Hitler. Okay. Um, this is probably going to be a very boring answer, but I want to go into the future. I just oh. want to see what it's like. Yeah. I want to see how That's a good man, answer. mankind has evolved. I I'd probably do the same, actually. I didn't have that. <laughs> All right. Final question. What is your favorite Beyonce song? My favorite Beyonce song. Okay. In the moment, it is pure honey. Bad bitches. To, to the, the left. lift. Money, Money bitches. bitches. To the right. right. We got in a little karaoke song. <laughs> I'm afraid that's all the time we have for today. Thanks so much for being on Think Queen, though. Where can everybody find you online? You can go to Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, OnlyFans, kidding. And it is lab underscore shenanigans. That is I. Laps underscore shenanigans. Love that. Wait, actually, I have one more question. I'm asking all my guests this. What advice would you give to somebody who's listening who wants to be like you? Okay, so I have a background in theater and biochemistry. And I know when I was pursuing that theater degree, a lot of heads were turning. A lot of people were scratching their heads. And let me tell you, my theater degree has been so useful. So my advice is if you are passionate about something, just go for it. Mm. Don't even like care what other people think. Just go for it. And I genuinely believe that when you intertwine your passions, like you can make something beautiful and special out of it. Love that. Bam. That's a great place to end it. Thanks so much for being on Think Queen, Darian. Thank you so much for having me. This was so fun. Bye. <laughs> Bye, y'all. Think Queen is produced by Entertainment One. Director of Programming at E1's Podcast Network, Sasha Tong. Producer, Maddie Hanukkah and Sasha Tong. Associate Producers, Chris Chu. Edited and mixed by Maddie Hanukkah. 
For more episodes, subscribe to Think Queen on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Amazon Music, or wherever you listen. And if you like this podcast, share it with your friends and make sure to leave a rating and review. Subscribe now to Think Queen on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Amazon, or wherever you get your podcasts. Want to get a chiseled look in the jawline? Sculpt and shape your jawline with added volume from Juvederm Volux XC. Juvederm Volux XC is an injectable gel specifically designed to be robust enough to improve moderate to severe loss of jawline definition. And it is the first and only hyaluronic acid filler approved for the jawline. Add volume to your jawline for a chiseled look with Juvederm Volux XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M dot com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. Visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50 luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns.